Welcome to Mental Health Film Comment. This is Brian here with you. The 1963 film Shock Corridor is about a news reporter who goes undercover into a, insert the imaginary um, air quotes here, insane asylum to, in his mind, solve a murder and win a Pulitzer Prize. I am joined today by first time author Lowe author of To All the Places I've Had Sex Before. Hello, uh, well, welcome to Mental Health Film Comment. Thank you, thank you for um, joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about the movie. Likewise, likewise. And um, now I do want to mention this podcast is in a commentary track format, in a matter of speaking. And the reason for that is because you are not alone. I know that many people listening to this podcast today will, will say, what do you mean I'm not alone? Of, of course I'm alone. I'm the only one here. And so when you have someone to go to a movie with, when you have someone to watch a movie with, etc., movie watching is a social activity, but if you don't have anyone to watch a movie with, if you don't have anyone to go to a movie with, then watching a movie is a solitary activity. And so I, I am here with you. Uh, Lo is here with you. It might not be for the whole length of the movie. Uh, it'll probably be a um, little while, but uh, both of us are here with you if you would like to watch the movie and listen to the podcast as a commentary track, you're more than welcome to do so. And I will be on the other side of the pause button if you would like to uh, do so. I also wanted to make mention of the two uh, major crisis text lines. If there's anything in our upcoming discussion that triggers you or if you if you need to reach out the if you are in the US you can text NAMI NAMI to 741 741 and in the UK it would be uh, uh, shout S H O U T to 85258 and are you aware of any other um, te text lines that you're aware of any other um not text lines, but may, be sure to talk to your medical provider if that's someone that you have, Definitely. something that you have. Definitely. So um, if, if, if you are one of the ones who is watching the uh, movie while you're listening, I, I wanted to make note that the movie is bookended by a, a quote by Euripides, who was a Greek playwright. And he was, he was somewhat of, of a controversial playwright in many ways, indicative of the um, would, um, would you say that, that this movie fits the criteria of, of controversial or, oh, or provocative? Okay. Definitely. Because it's not a movie that is necessarily about mental health per se, but it is a movie that uses mental health as, as a plot device Definitely. to move the story along. And it, it's not the most... It's not the most accurate. <laughs> some of the, the dialogue, <laughs> no, <laughs> at all. And um, and some of the the language also is is problematic. I know, with um, there there's a uh, one of the opening scenes coming up. The the character uses some of the hurtful and and stereotypical words like lunatic, etc. And mm. um, one of the things that struck me when when I've been watching this is how frequently many people who don't know better still use words like that. Exactly. Have you, have you noticed that? It's like, 
in some in some weird way, like the movie is a product of its time, for for, for better or worse. However, enough time has passed that it's 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 more it's important to have that discussion, have that education be out there. Definitely. And even though it's a product of its past, it's still an issue that comes up today. A lot of people don't know how pejorative some of the terminology that people use can be. And they might throw out words of just like, oh, okay, let me say this, let me say this, but haven't really thought about the ways that these words are hurtful and also harmful to others. So yeah, it, it was it was a little shocking at first, um, some of the ways people were talking in the movie, but then I was like, well, I've, I have my bubble of friends who like know better than to use those words. And so it's, it's good to address even now. Definitely. Now, now, the movie was directed by Sam Fuller, who was uh, an early independent filmmaker. Now, it's important to note that he was not one of the, you know, he was, he's standing on the shoulders of people like Oscar Michaud and people who predated him in terms of independent film, both production and distribution. And so while it's notable and, 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 and we're all noting that he is a product of independent film, he's by no means, you know, one of the, you know, pioneers of, of the of the genre, so to speak. Yeah. Um, the um, now the um, I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank right now. The, the, this um, <laughs> what they and and I and I'm going to speak to it r r just and move forward. Um, there um, past couple podcasts that I, that I've been doing. Um, and throughout the week, for the most part, I might as well mention it, is some of the anxiety has been, you know, up and down, sort of like a roller coaster week. Yeah. And so if there are moments where I just come to, come to a pause, like at a dead end or whatever, um, that, would be, that would be the reason why. So for your benefit and for the people who may be listening, um, I'm just going to, you know, and, th and this is what a lot of anxiety will, will sound like. You know, it's, it's, it won't always be as, uh, as dramatic or eventful as, as it could be. Sometimes it'll be just someone talking and, and having notes um, to talk about and just, you know, drawing a blank. <laughs> <Sometimes>. <laughs> um, well, that's... no worries, because my anxiety is also going over here. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Yeah. Well, what, um, how, how has your journey in the mental health um, route or avenue been? Yeah, so I'd say there's um, mental health obstacles on like both sides of my family. Um, I grew up with an aunt who had Down syndrome and my grandparents took care of her um, for over 50 years until they were no longer able to take care of her. And so one, that's always been a thing of like mental health exists, people with mental health exists, and um, I need to learn and unlearn many different things that society tells me about mental health. I think we saw in the movie that was using mental health as a tool. I really like that you said that because it really was that there were many examples of people just being really violent or 
yelling all the time and like whenever someone was seen as like not lucid or experienced some sort of like mental health crises they were just um portrayed in a really negative way and yes that may be true for some people at some times but I think the way that mental health is portrayed in society is really pejorative and I think for me I was able to learn really early on that like no people with mental health issues are just people um my own um struggles are in the form of like depression and anxiety as a kid I just really did not enjoy living um I had a hard time fitting in with others and as like as a black woman as a black person I think one of the one of the things that I experienced is that this having to put on face or like having to live up to an image um, because that's what my family taught me. Like we wanted to make sure that we looked good because we didn't want to be judged by others. Like the whole whole keeping up appearances thing. Exactly. Or like to fall into negative stereotypes against black people. And so it's always about um, maintaining this image and as I've grown older, I've realized that maintaining this image often meant that I had to deny myself re- my reality. So mm-hmm. um, I was denying myself the emotions that I was feeling. I was denying myself my authenticity. It was hard for me to be honest with others and with myself because this image was always at the forefront of my experience. And so a lot of a lot of my mental health journey has been coming to terms with myself and who I am and not just the image that I want to portray or have been taught to portray, but just living at my most authentic and being comfortable with that. Definitely. Definitely. Now I I wanted to make mention that, and and I, and I'm 99, actually a hundred percent certain that, there won't be any any Sam Fuller fans that would would take offense at this, but and, and there's a there's a line or two in the movie that alludes to this. But he has a background in news reporting, and not just news, you know, standard, you know, run of the mill, but specifically what would be called yellow journalism. You know, where it's where it's most sensationalist, if it bleeds, it leads sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of me wonders, like, if he had not gone that route but had gone a more investigative you know an actual investigative journalist route rather than the whole sensationalist route and again i i i'm pretty sure no sam fuller fans are going to take offense with that characterization um but part of me wonders if he had approached it from a more investigative approach because Mm -hmm. you can definitely see the headline sensationalism vibe of the movie Definitely. And I don't think if he had that background, it would have the same level of sensationalism that that it does. Definitely. And so I am happy that I watched the movie. I'm probably not going to rewatch it. (laughs) I think it was like (laughs) really (laughs) an important like moment of culture and to like parse through some things or some allegories in there, which I thought um relevant to the time but I think my big my biggest take is just the sensationalism of it and just for me and like I don't know much about the context 
of which it was released. I assume there were a lot of other movies that came before this and other movies like of this time that had that same sort of like, um, you know, people with mental illness or violence are, um, are just like not good people to be around. And there's a reason that they're in these mental institutions insane asylums quote yeah exactly and that's why i when i was introducing the movie i put it in you know quote yes (laughs) because (laughs) honestly there are days where i you know when i'm having a bad day sometimes and and i'm I'm not at a a bad place you know as recently you know so but that said there's there's days where i wonder okay well where are those insane asylums (laughs) you know i you know because there's not that many around you know and obviously the 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 model that they're they're depicting in the movie it's essentially gone to private practice hospitals you know or mm-hmm. so the very notion of it being a um what's depicted in the movie that's not that realistic anymore i mean let alone a lot of the character characteristics the whole storyline about you know being committed it still goes on but it's not in the context like where you petition the state to be, you know, as depicted in this movie, it was almost like a, like a, some deviant um, characteristic that they did it on, on that context, mm-hmm. which if this, if that storyline were done with that storyline today, it would be a, a really effed up movie. <laughs> uh, yes. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, because, because undoubtedly, for someone watching it in 1963, it already was would undoubtedly be problematic. But but following it to its logical conclusion, it would be a really messed up story. <laughs> yeah. <Beyond>, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and that's you know, and you had mentioned the the, the violent thing. That's something that is worth, worth noting for those who don't know that those who have a serious mental illness, it is a. I think it's barely one percent of you know like one one fiftieth of one percent who commit violent crimes or have, have it, it it is not a large number at all mm-hmm. so if anyone is under that impression either from a movie be it this movie or you know any other movie or in general mm-hmm. uh, many of those stereotypes are simply not not correct no, I think one that really stood out to me was, uh, I think it was towards the beginning of the movie where he ran into the quote-unquote nymphomaniac. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then essentially they'd run up to him and attack him and try and tear his clothes off. <laughs> what? Wait, what? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> what yeah. is this? <laughs> yeah, and it's it's got a, um, not quite a campy feel, but sort of a campy feel in a way. Mm. Like like a mommy dearest type of movie, in okay. a lot of ways where it's sort of not like not super melodramatic, but sort of melodramatic in places. Um, yeah, <laughs> it, it like it goes back, it goes back and forth. Like some of it for me felt really over the top. I was like, this this is not realistic at all. Oh, absolutely. And then, Oh, go ahead. Yeah, and one thing, I, and, I, and, I, and again, I want to thank you for um, for being a guest today because when I was spitballing doing a um, a podcast, this was one of the movies that I wanted to do it because of. Mm, because yeah. I've been, it's one of the movies where I've seen it, 
I don't necessarily, if it would be in the category of a favorite movie, that would be maybe an exaggeration. Mm-hmm. But when I was watching it again recently, after having gone through the whole diagnosis and all the counseling stuff and all the therapy stuff, and then watching it again after that, it's like the movie I remember watching years ago. It's not the same movie. You know what I mean? You yes. Know there's movies like that where you you go through what you've gone through and then you look back and it's like, that's not the same movie I remember watching. <laughs> it's, it's so, I love that you said that, like, cause we, for me, it's so parallel to this process of writing, like writing a book, right? Yeah. Is that, so my book covers like over 10 years of time. And it's interesting. It was interesting for me because I would go back and look at my journals that I wrote like, during that time versus how I remember it now. It's just, it's wild how much your perspective can change as you go through life and like experience new things and learn new things. And so, I mean, I had a very similar experience as I was writing. I'm just like, oh, this is not the person. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and that's what um, kind of of a a really neat thing in a lot of ways because, and, and this applies, and I want to mention to many people who might be listening and might be having a hard time, um, that's very much like a, like a yardstick in a way, because like there's one moment in time where it's like, oh, everything's horrible today. And then you sort of look back, you know, be it a month from now, a year from now, you know, five years from now. And it's like, like that, that perspective thing you mentioned, it can be complete 180 in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that, uh, thank you for for mentioning that. That's something that it, it's that's very worth wor- worth noting and, and remembering because it's that is very easy to lose sight of when you're it, when you're wrapped up in the pain and, and not knowing that things can get better and that there's hope. Um, the um, now there there was something um, prior to me hitting record and the podcast being recorded, something about uh, emotional de- detachment. I, I think you had mentioned that in, in your book, or there was um, what what do you mean by that? Would you is that comparable to the the depersonalization and and the, the dissociation? Well, not quite. I would say for me for me and like my experience of being a black person i think oftentimes we are really pressured to make to maintain strength and to be strong um there's a lot of generational trauma a lot of things that like have been passed down and we constantly are dealing with pain um and struggle and going back to what I was talking about with like strength and like identity um, and like image is that like part of maintaining that image also means like not not showing your emotions and like it's not just the not showing your emotions it's to the point of like sometimes not really having emotions because that's weakness or that's um, that's just like not it's not it doesn't it's incongruous with the (laughs) image that we're supposed to be um displaying and so for a lot of times when I was growing up like when I would show emotions um or like feel anything other than happy I was like punished or told that like you can't do this like we need to be strong we need to continue to push forward and then for a long time growing up I just 
was really emotionally unavailable and unaware and detached from it. So I would maybe have like a very quick knee-jerk reaction, like, oh, this is sad. I feel sad for a second. And then it would just go away. And I would move on with my move on with my day. And I always thought that that was a good thing because I could, you know, it's very easy for me to navigate through difficult situations because I I am detached from my emotions. Um, But then what happened was I started realizing that I was denying myself a part of my like holistic humanity and that um, even though I thought I wasn't feeling, I was still feeling things. I was just bottling all up inside or pushing yeah. it back. And there were times where it would explode and oftentimes it would be in a depressive state. And so I had to essentially relearn how to feel and like slow down and actually process um, what I was feeling instead of letting that like quick instant just go by, say, okay, this was sad. I, I am sad. I feel these things about it. Um, and I also had to want to feel my emotions mm-hmm. too, which was uh-huh. a difficult part of it. Yeah. Was that, so was that process, was, was that sort of a mix of, as far as the, the, the relearning, as far as being taught in, in a way to kind of, okay, this is what happens. This is what, you know, almost like an expectation, like you're expected to have a certain reaction or, or feeling. And then when you dig deeper, it's like, well, wait a second, that's, <laughs> that's not, you know, it, it, it's a sort of like that in a way where you kind of move past from like, okay, this is what you're expected to feel. This is what you're, and is, is that, what do you mean? Or do you mean kind of like something different? Cause it's kind of a, a mix of yes, that's what I mean, but also no, that's not what I mean. I think in the in the past, um, I just wasn't aware. I wasn't doing enough reflection to be able to point out whether or not like there was a gap in that. I think presently, I'm very cognizant that sometimes there just is a gap. Like sometimes they, I'm like meant to feel sad, but I don't feel sad. Yeah. Um, or it's an expectation yeah, that yeah. I'm to feel sad, but I don't yeah. feel sad. Um, or like I'm able to move things, move through emotions much quicker than other people are. And so for me, like managing of emotions, letting myself feel when I actually feel, being okay with the fact that sometimes I don't feel the same way as other people do. is like all a part of the journey it's all a part of the journey um and like the added part to that for me was that I like I realized that I was having feelings but I wasn't expressing them the same way other people did and so I realized I was using my my emotional reactions I was responding to as sex and so that's kind of what the book is about it's like I was using sex as a um tool to emote and that's not healthy (laughs) or it wasn't healthy for me (laughs) yeah that's what i was going to ask you about was the whole mental health that's not something that exists in a vacuum more or less i mean it it pertains to every other part of who you are and that's something where it's it, it it does necessitate like a whole 
you know, holistic, and I've seen both spellings of the word, um, both WHO and then H. So I've seen um, it does it does necessitate in a lot of ways that that holistic approach to not have it be in a little box or a little vacuum, but the the whole person aspect of it. Yeah, and and it definitely does affect my whole person, and I think when we're we're thinking about health a lot of times people just like go immediately to the physical health it's like oh yeah i'm working out i'm healthy but like are we taking care of our emotional and mental health are we taking care of our financial health our sexual health like there's so many different our spiritual health um there's so many different parts of us that if if one is faltering the others will falter as well correct now um for those who are watching the movie and listening at the same time, um, it's, it's funny you mention that because the the storyline of Jacques Cordier, if you, if, if you are watching it, um, with, with what you just stated, um, there's a, almost like an interesting parallel because the, the, the storyline of the movie, for those watching, what you'll see is the reporter comes across three witnesses, one of which I'll... Um, I'm not going to do a spoilers. Would that would that be mean to like spoil it if they haven't seen it yet? <laughs> I'm going to say just just let, just let them just let them discover this one character. Yeah, um, I'll leave it at that. But it it works in a way because there are almost like it, it works in a way in terms of like obviously three different char- individual characters, but it also works in a way of like three different um, elements of the of the personality, in a way because when the when the movie came out. 1963 if you step in a time machine there was not a lot of good stuff going on in the world at that time um you know you had you know bobby kennedy you had you know martin luther king jr um so a lot of and i would imagine that for many people who are already hateful towards their fellow americans to have a movie like this come along I would imagine it gives them almost like more ammo in a way to like be more hateful and more ignorant, you know, and, and, and I, you know, because part of me wonder because for that, for that era, the other movie, the only other movies that someone would see in a movie is like, you know, the John Wayne cowboy movies or musicals or whatever. And then this comes along. And so part of me wonders if in, in some way that it might have given approval for 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 some people who saw it to have this be an excuse for them to be even more ignorant i mean and that is the power of the media exactly and that's yeah and and i'd like to i'd like to think that because it was not a studio movie part of me is you know cautiously optimistic that that buffered it in a way Mm-hmm. Knowing that it pro- for most people it probably wouldn't have been discovered until years later, you know, seventies yeah. or eighties or nineties or you know later. <laughs> so part <laughs> of me sort of is, is cautiously optimistic that that is what potentially saved it from from you know if it if it if it has caused any harm, mm-hmm. that it would be you know lesser than if it had been a major you know, John Wayne starring, you know, mainstream movie, because it, it, yeah. it wasn't. Yeah, and, I mean, and um, that's a definitely, fingers crossed, but we never know. And that's, that's why it's so important to tell 
our stories and Definitely. why I'm happy you're doing this podcast, why I'm happy. And the reason why I wrote my book is that like, I think so often the way that media portrays like marginalized communities are in negative ways um, because that's what people already believe. So they like to reinforce the stereotypes um, to make it easier for people to understand. Like a lot of people don't like having their status quo challenge to when they don't like to have their status quo challenged by actually humanizing the people who they have thought weren't human for so long and so it's um it's so important that we tell our stories oh definitely and and i am someone who is i don't want to say critical necessarily well i guess i'll fine i'll say it, critical of a lot of the mental health status quo in 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 this country um yeah. i think there's a lot of uh a lot of basis for criticism for for a lot of the reasons that, that you mentioned I, I think a lot of the, the the care model or the recovery model, whatever whatever term would apply, is in a lot of ways very cookie cutter. Like okay, the, the one size fits all, and a lot of the individualist approach to get to know the person being treated and not them being a diagnosis and them not being the, not being the medication. I think that approach has, in a lot of ways, diminished the value of, of the. You know, does, does that make yeah. sense? I mean, no, it, because, perfect sense. Perfect sense. Because what I've encountered when I've uh, been reaching out and whatnot, there are many people who will be happy to talk with me, who will be happy to keep a dialogue going, to keep a you know, conversation. There's others who feel that that I don't have the correct opinion, that I don't have the correct perspective. Mm. And uh, I know, and obviously, you know, no, nobody has to agree with me at all. You know, yeah. obviously there's people who, um, you know, it, you know, there's no requirement that, that, you know, I, 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 I'm, you know, the, the judge and jury of everyone, you know, that would be, <laughs> it would be a pretty boring world if everyone agreed with me, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so I, I, you know, I'm someone who, who, who values, you know, that's what we, that's the whole purpose of the United States of America is having that dialogue, having that, you know, granted where, you know, we, we fallen short of that to say the least, <laughs> uh, but in, in, on paper, that's the whole goal of the country we live in is to have an exchange of ideas, you know, I didn't, you know, and just have have that dialogue. And, and cookie cutter method that you're, you're talking about for me relates to that in that, well, one mental health care, it just has a long way to go. Mm -hmm, um, and it, it is still highly stigmatized, even though more people are talking about it and their, their mental well-being, people still don't fully understand it. And even like mental health care providers, they're, they're still indoctrinated in the society with stigma. So um, we have that, but then, oh goodness, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Wait, what did you say at the end there? I was like, yes. Um, oh, about just in terms of America being, you know, ideally, the it's supposed to be a good exchange of ideas. Is that what you mean? Yeah, that, that part right there of like, we as a country have been like we're just a lot, a lot of different countries i think deny this part 
of our humanity and I think a, a major part of being able to talk and like bring different sides together is like this this level of comfort with like people as them their whole selves and i think it's so important that um when we're talking about oh talking across different points of views and points of perspective we have to be able to just like embrace people as who they are which highly like depends on like people's mental health so it's all it's all intertwined and like you said like mental health does not exist in a vacuum like mental health is also an important part of being able to have these conversations um with people who are different from us and who hold different perspectives from us definitely definitely and and that's why i guess that's one of the reasons why i guess i i'm just plowing forward with with this podcast is that the more I reach out, it's like the more I want to learn. I mean, because I'll, uh, that's one of the, that's been one of the more freeing things for me to just come to realization on is that there's a lot that I, that I don't know. <laughs> there's a lot that <laughs> I want to learn. There's a lot that I want to know more about. And I think anybody who gets to a know-it-all status, that person is, they don't know what they're depriving themselves of. Yeah, they just don't. I mean, it's almost like in a way, you know, in junior high or high school, there's, a, you know, the, the whole English teacher thing about, oh, don't read the, you know, Wikipedia or whatever, but read the actual book. I mean, that's pretty much the same way. I mean, mm -hmm. if, if you don't seek out, and obviously, I'm, you know, I'm, my personality is such that I do like seeking out new information. I do like having that, that new data coming in, new information to evaluate. Um, and, and I'm not knocking people who don't like to read. I'm not knocking people who, yeah. but, I'm, but I'm saying, <laughs> but I think for me, it's something where I like having that constant information coming in. I like having that constant flow of information. Mm -hmm. I like having stuff to think about and stuff to, to learn. And yeah. so when there's people who are at that know-it-all status, I just, it's hard for me to comprehend how someone could, because there's even people who have like PhDs and, and you know, uh, you know, a paragraph of suffixes after the name who continue learning and continue growing and continue, because that would be like impossible for someone to know everything. I mean, that would mm -hmm. be just humanly impossible. <laughs> yeah. And it wouldn't be fun either. No, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I also find a lot of just joy in learning and experiencing new things and thinking about new ways to approach life and uh, this all feels so relevant to me but yesterday i was spending time with my grandfather and one of the things he likes to tell his stories but one of the things that he said to me is like when you stop learning is when you die so i guess <laughs> i'm gonna live forever and i was like okay grandpa <laughs> this is very dramatic yeah but <laughs> <laughs> have you ever heard have you ever heard that the variation of that that is when god stops thinking of you you nope. hear that variation i have not no. my, my grandma used to say that oh goodness <laughs> well i you know if yeah. you <laughs> i don't know yeah i don't know if that would be i don't know if that would be, i don't know if she meant that as like a comforting thing or if that's yeah <laughs> i have to wonder <laughs> Don't, I don't quite find comfort in that, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. maybe someone 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, but like the, the, the learning that that's key. And again, I, I want to emphasize for people who might be listening um, to this podcast, who might be going through, through a hard time. There's something where it's, you know, and, and I totally hear you, you know, if, if you are going through a bit through a hard time, um, there's, you're not alone, I guess, what would be the, 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 the take on point of that. You're, you're definitely mm-hmm. not alone. And that's, because that can't be emphasized enough, though, um, because many people will, will not remember that, that there, that there are people who are rooting for them and who, um, are rooting for, for their recovery and for them to get better. And even if it's, you know, uh, a no-name podcast like mine that <laughs> you know, they might, uh, I shouldn't say that, because it's like the, you know, the whole law of attraction thing. So I'm going to affirm that it's lots of listeners. Yes, um, throw it in the so, universe. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, so I'm definitely going to affirm that if, if you are listening to this podcast and you're not doing too well, know that, you know, like you're not alone and, and I'm rooting for you. I know Lowe's rooting for you um, mm-hmm. to, to get through this and that there there is hope. Um, there is hope to, to, to look forward to. And Indeed. whatever you're feeling like right at this moment you know, you might not be feeling it um, tomorrow or two days from now. And so like that is one, one I, I know I mentioned that at the top of the podcast and you might have forgotten that, but for those who might have forgotten that, um, I did want to reiterate that you, that you are not alone. Um, so um, now was there anything else that, that I didn't ask you about that, that you, you, wanted, you wanted to mention? I don't think so. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Oh, likewise, likewise. Ooh, a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- and then again, thank you for for coming on this. Like the, when I was when I was planning this podcast, this was one of the movies that I was specifically wanting to talk about because for many of the reasons you had mentioned. And so, thank thank you. I really appreciate this. I. Um, I know I did want to mention, uh, and again, keeping with the, 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 this podcast goal of providing information and um, resources, um, there are a couple resources um, to keep in mind is there's Mental Health America, their website's mhanational.org. Um, if, you, if, if you click on the blue button at the top to find help, there's also NAMI, uh, which is N-A-M-I. AZ or yeah, NAMI.org, National Alliance on Mental Illness. And there's also, and I think you alluded to this earlier, there's a, the Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Uh, that number is 1-800-273-8255. Uh, that's 1-800-273-8255. And the NAMI Helpline, 1-800-950-6264. Were there any others that um that, that i might not have mentioned those, those are the ones i know of okay good yeah good deal well cool thanks thanks again and um and thank you for listening at home um and like that if you are watching the movie while listening I, i'm i'm not going to spoil some of the upcoming <laughs> but keep, needless to say i think i think we're both in agreement they would be surprised at one of the the characters yes upcoming, it, so. you you will be you most certainly yeah. will be so yeah. So thank, thanks again for listening and stay safe. I will um, see you next time. Um, and...